Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. And we bless the seeds that are sown uh, already. Um, For those of us who are uh, trying to keep up with what you're talking about, God, I thank you, Father, just to to let these things um, take root deep in our hearts so that, God, we can recall them um, in due time. God, we thank you that when you speak to us, you don't intend for us to just be impressed with the words, but you intend for us to be transformed by your words. And I do thank you for this word, you know, that um, the delay is over, and we receive that. We thank you, God, uh, for the spirit this morning, God, that just wants to lean into your promises, to lean into the power of your name. And uh, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Um, so, the uh, last couple of weeks, we've been talking about really this, this big idea of, um, it's a word that, that we call discipleship in church world. If you're familiar with church world, you know this word discipleship. And if, you've, if you're really a part of church world, like for a long time, you probably have a lot of different um, ideas of, um, of things that you would associate discipleship with. And maybe you grew up in a, a church and discipleship was the class that happened every Sunday, uh, you know, every third Sunday right after the service, right? Um, or it was the group that you joined, or, or your experience in discipleship was, uh, you know, um, I'm going to show up with this group, and there's, here's these things I'm going to memorize, I'm going to, next week I'm going to repeat all those things, or, or you know, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be expected to do some things, and so I'm going to, you know, hopefully get my life in shape, and then report back to the group about what I did or didn't do, right? And so, and those are all great, great things. I mean, I, I, memorizing the Bible, love it. I'm trying to memorize more of the Word. I'm trying to teach my kids the Word of God, right? Doing, th- I mean, doing what Jesus says is, is awesome, but man, um, it, sometimes it's important that we get back to the, the grassroots, kind of the, the underneath the surface. What is the impulse? What is the, the spark um, that, that drives this. And, and last week we talked a little bit about this. As Jesus, uh, as Jesus began his ministry, he, would, he went to go pray and he received from the Father a list of some names and he would go along the countryside, just begin to invite some of these men to come and follow him. And he'd find them where they're at. And, and, and their discipleship started with these, these words, follow me, right? And, and, and for those of us who are followers of Jesus, there's probably a moment you can kind of trace back to where there is something in your heart. You heard the words of Jesus, whether you actually heard them or not, or you just felt them. You just knew he was saying it. There is this invitation that was just like, come and follow me, right? It's a, and so it wasn't just about what you're knowing or what you're doing. It was a posture of heart of Jesus. I'm going to go wherever you want to go, right? And I love that about discipleship. Dallas Willard said it like this, the discipleship is spending time with Jesus to learn from Jesus how to be like Jesus. I love that. I love that. Another, another great, great way to say it is discipleship is the irreplaceable and lifelong task of becoming like Jesus and embodying his message. And, and it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that we have to continue to come back to because sometimes maybe there's a... Um, there's a tendency for us to kind of get comfortable. I'm just going to follow you to here, and then I'm just going to camp out for a while, right? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You get to follow me into all of life. You get to, you get to follow me where I go, and then from there we're going to go somewhere new. And it's this constant pursuit. And so what we're talking about is this posture of heart that says, like, Jesus, I, 
I'm listening for your voice. I'm listening. I'm paying attention to where you're at work. And I want to go and do what you're doing with you. And hopefully as I'm doing what you're doing with you, I'm actually becoming like you as I'm doing what you're doing with you, caring about the things that you care about, loving the people that you love. And in that process, we continue to become like him. Amen? Hey, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5 if you have your Bibles. Open your apps. Whatever works for you. And this is kind of a, this is a different version, okay? So I'm open up to Luke, uh, Luke chapter 5, and this is a different rendering of the scripture we let, read last week in Matthew about Jesus finding these fishermen and calling him to come follow him, okay? It's just a different telling of the same story. And there's a few other details in here that I just love, and this is, this is a really good launching off point, okay? In Luke chapter 5, <clears throat> says this, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, thank you, and he saw two boats by the lake that the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little, uh, he, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had put and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart, me for, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And so, so part of the, the good news that we get to proclaim today is that Jesus meets us in the everyday stuff of life, okay? It's a good news we get to proclaim today. Jesus meets us in the everyday stuff of life. And I want, let's just take a moment. Let's just do a, a quick exercise across the room. Some of you, you might have some paper with you or a pen. Some of you, you can bust out your phone, the Note app, all right? And I want you to think about this last week, the last couple days, and I'm going to ask you to make two different lists, okay? Maybe the column on the left, um, let's call that the spiritual list. Uh, The column on the right, we'll call that maybe non-spiritual, and I'd be curious, um, if you were to take, a, take a, a survey over maybe your last couple days or however far back you can remember, I know it's kind of a whirlwind sometimes to even remember what you did the following week, right? Um, but think about what types of things would you, would you consider spiritual things and what types of things would you consider non-spiritual things uh, in the activity of this last week? And I'm going to give you just a few, a few 
seconds to write some things down. And uh, there's no right or wrong here. You will not be graded. You will not be kicked out, right? And, you know, this really depends on your definition of spiritual and non-spiritual. But I'll give you a few more seconds here. So some of the things I'm guessing that are coming to mind, right? So if you're thinking about spiritual things, you're thinking about um, maybe, I don't know, attending church, uh, praying, reading your Bible. Maybe you encourage somebody this week. Maybe you serve the poor. Um, uh, Maybe you prayed for somebody this week. Okay? Okay. And, and then on the other side, I mean, I, I, would, I would guess, and this is an assumption, that maybe on the other side we're, we're going to put things like, I don't know, doing laundry, right? Going to, you went to a movie, <laughs> um, work, um, changing the oil in my car, right? I need to do that, by the way. I'm going to make a note real quick here. Um, changing diapers, <laughs> that's my world. Um, and there's just this whole list of other things, that, that, that just things that just happen, and they're just kind of things, right? <clears throat> okay, you guys got your lists? And here's, here's why this is interesting to actually do this exercise, because a lot of times when we read these stories of Jesus going around the countryside, and he starts calling these guys out to come follow him. When we read these stories, and their first response, as Jesus starts interacting with them and meeting them where they're at, as they just drop everything they're doing and they go to start following Jesus. And I always thought this is just fascinating. And we did talk about this last week, the priority of, of following Jesus, right? And it does reorder and rearrange things in our, in our lives. But am I the only one who's ever wondered, like, if I'm just a lightweight because I haven't just quit my job and moved away to go follow Jesus? Like, you read these stories and you're thinking, oh my gosh, they literally, in a moment, quit their jobs and left their family. And I'm thinking, wow, is this, is this what following Jesus is? Like, do I need, it's, it's like, I, I read these stories sometimes, and I wonder if what Jesus is doing is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to call you out of your insignificant life into some significant things. You're going to stop dealing with all this non-spiritual stuff, and I'm going to show you some spiritual things now, right? Like, you're going to be called out of unimportance and all these, these trivial little you know, things that you're doing with your time, and I'm going to show you the real, the real ways of what's happening. Has is is anybody ever thought that or kind of felt that? Like maybe what Jesus is doing in calling people to follow him is, is, is really asking them to extract themselves from unimportant things so that they can go do the real spiritual kingdom things, which is what he's doing. It's how I felt before kind of reading these, and then sometimes I just read them, and I, and I feel like a little bit of shame because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I am, I am such a wuss, right? Like, I, I can't quit anything, right? Like, I, I have a hard time quitting anything. But these guys, they just, the, the first response of their heart was just like, I want to go do whatever you're doing, right? And maybe that's, maybe that's part of your story, that when you started following Jesus, it required radical change. We'll talk about that in a second. But here's what I love about this particular passage. When we read, we read, reread it. When Jesus meets Simon, before he calls him Peter, he's fishing. 
And can we just appreciate for, for a moment that the first thing that Jesus does when he meets Peter, he meets Peter where he's at with what he's doing. And the first thing he does is he helps him become better at his job. You notice this? Like he meets Peter and he says, hey, try fishing on the other side. Okay, he fishes on the other side. He, start, he catches a boatload of fish. So, so even before there's been a follow me, Jesus shows up into the everyday experience in Peter's life and he gives him some recommendations on how to get actually better at what he's doing. Okay, I want you to kind of make note of that. Because Peter doubted that. You know, Peter's in this place, so, you know, Jesus shows up and gives him recommendations. Peter's like, oh, come on, I've been fishing all night. Really, God, you know, really, Jesus? You think you can fish better than I can, right? I've been at this a little bit. And Jesus says, hey, let me help you become better at what you're already doing, okay? And so when Jesus did this, what was happening is he was giving Peter and all who were looking in, he's giving him a brand new imagination for what following him actually had the potential to look like. Jesus was teaching them how to take everything they knew, how to do, but to do it with a new orientation, a new way of living. And so what, what, what I love about this is, is sometimes we have the ability to have a dualistic mind. And we learned this from the Greeks, I think, we learned this way back. I mean, this is way before you and I were born. There's this dualistic thinking. There's things that are spiritual, things that are non-spiritual. There's heaven, there's earth, right? God's intention was never for there to be this massive separation between heaven and earth. You get that, right? And so when Jesus starts showing up in people's lives, he starts showing up in the seemingly non-consequential, unsignificant, everyday stuff of life and teaching them to begin to have a new orientation for what they're already doing. Okay? Why does that matter? Because a lot of these guys, a lot of these fishermen, yeah, they, they, they would drop what they're doing and go learn from Jesus and be trained by Jesus for a few years on a, a new way of life. But what we read is a lot of them actually went back to do what they were doing again. Now, some of them continued on to build the church and become apostles, but, but come on, can you imagine if all disciples just quit everything they were doing? Like, that would just be sad in this room, Right? If we all just quit everything that we're doing because we think that God, that ministry and that the spiritual things are go doing things out there, but what's happening is that Jesus is meeting these guys. He's, show, he's showing up in the everyday stuff and what he's, the, re, the real invitation is, listen, I want to give you a new orientation. Come follow me, but not so that you will be removed from the world, but so you can go back into the world with a new way of thinking. I'm going to show you a new way where you've been catching fish up till now. You're going to be catching men until all of eternity, right? So he shows up and says, listen, you're really good at that. I'm going to make you better at that. And I'm going to teach you a new way to think and a new way to be, a new way to not see that as insignificant, but to find kingdom significance in anything that you're doing. Are you guys with me on this? This is so critical. This is, this is so key that we get that discipleship isn't being extracted from our life, but discipleship is God meeting us in the everyday stuff of life to form us into his image, okay? And there's, certain, there's other passages that maybe might confuse us or unsettle this for us as well, but, um, so, and, and I'll take a look at one in, in Matthew 6.33 when Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is 
speaking to the masses and he's proclaiming what life in the kingdom looks like, he gets done with this little rant about not being anxious. Remember that? He says, don't be anxious about your life. Stop it, right? Just, just settle down. You're anxious. Settle down. I take care of the birds of the air, the flowers of the field. Surely the Father in heaven will take care of you. And then he kind of ends with this, this, uh, this part in Matthew 6.33. He says this, With all that said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Okay? And so, I, I, again, I, I don't know about you, but when we, when we read, we have a tendency when we read that word seek first, that word first for us because we're good Westerners, we're like, oh, he's starting a list, right? That's a number one. So that must mean there's a number two and a number three and a number four and a number five, right? And, and you've done this before. I've done this before. We've, we've, we've taught this before that like, okay, so what Jesus is saying is, all right, seek first the kingdom. It's number one on the list. And that means like next on the list is probably my family. So number two is family. Number three it's going to be work. Number four, snowboarding, right? <laughs> number five, working out. Or maybe that's, you know, maybe, that, maybe that's number nine. Number five is, uh, you know. And so we kind of, I, I think sometimes we look at our lives through the lens of categories. He said, seek first the kingdom. Okay, so I'm, I, I need to make sure I'm doing that first every day. And, and so seek first the kingdom means I, I better do more spiritual things today than non-spiritual things. What if, though, that Jesus wasn't giving us a new list? What if he was saying, no, there's no list. It's just seek first the kingdom. There's no list. If anything you do doesn't actually, you can't actually experience the kingdom and what you're doing, then you can just stop doing that. But what if every, everything in all of life is not in separate lists, but it's all part of kingdom living? Okay? So that means that when you go home and you're with your spouse, that's not a separate category. That is participation in the kingdom of God to love and to nurture and to, and to build up and to encourage. When you're with your kids, it's not this separate thing from anything else. I'm, I'm with them to raise them up and to train them up to know Jesus in every way. When you're sitting at the dinner table, it's not this, uh, I guess I have to eat or else I'm going to be hungry, but it's a particip- participation in this eternal reality that God from the beginning of time has been inviting the whole world to join him back at this table to fellowship and commune with him, right? And that even in your work and your labor, that it's not apart from anything spiritual or anything significant in the kingdom of God, but it's right in line with where God is positioning you to be a part of what he's doing in the world. And as you're a part of what he's doing in the world, there's something that's happening inside of you. You're coming together yourself as you're participating in where he is at and present and at work in the world. He says, listen, don't think of everything you do as spiritual, non-spiritual, your list of what matters or what doesn't matter. Think of everything through the lens as I get to participate in all that I do and every insignificant detail of my life gets to be a part of this grand kingdom of God. And this is, a, it's, it's, it was a brand new way of life. It's a brand new way of thinking. And he's telling his disciples, listen, come train with me. I'm gonna teach you to see the kingdom in all things. But a lot of these guys just went back to what God had given them to do it in a completely different way. Do you guys see that? And so some of you, maybe, maybe your story was when you started following Jesus, there was a time where you had, to, you had to distance yourself from some things, right? Maybe some friendships that were destructive. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't, it's hard for me. I'm, you know, when you're growing up in Christ, sometimes you have to make drastic changes. And so some of you, your story is like, I quit my job. I moved across the country to do this, you know. I went to the nations, you know, to serve the poor. I, 
you know, if you were part of the Jesus movement, you know, you burned all your albums, right? Anybody from the Jesus movement that actually burned records, right? Like you, you, you've walked away from music. Why? Because at that time, the music was feeding maybe um, back in the 60s and 70s when people were coming to the Lord in this huge revival in the nation. You hear the story all the time. The records were actually feeding maybe like this rebellious kind of thing inside of their heart. And they're like, I have to distance myself from that. But you know what's funny? Like 10, 15 years later, how many of those same people went back and bought those records? Because they're like, I love that music, right? Like, wait a second, I love that music. And so, so I, I mean, come on, I, I've, I've heard this story. This happened, I think, even my, my parents, you know, it's like you, you, you distance yourself because I have to be reformed in my orientation and how I perceive and how I actually interact. But then there was a part where, you know, even for them, they could interact with the same things again, but from a new place, right? Sometimes God calls us away from relationships to be formed and to be renewed, but it's not to extract us from the world, it's to build us up to be sent back into the world. And, he say, and so how many of us, he sends us back to those relationships and I'm not talking about like abusive relationships. There's some relationships that have to end. I'm talking about just unhealthy, maybe dynamics for you, where, where over time, as God reshaped you, he's actually giving you a new orientation to go back into that relationship, into that friendship, and, and minister again, but from a brand new way, where, you know, even as Peter, he was a fisherman, trained his whole life and how to catch fish. God's, Jesus comes to him and, and crashes into his world and invites him on this new journey to be reoriented. I'm going to give you a new way of seeing, a new way of thinking, that even as you go back, yes, you're going to be catching fish, but much more than that, you're going to be participating in my purposes here on earth. And so these disciples, as they begin following Jesus, it wasn't just following Jesus into this, this, I'm going to get away from all these mundane things anymore. No, all the mundane things begin to be transformed into powerful moments dripping with the presence of God all of a sudden. Because that's what happens. All of a sudden, you're washing the dishes and you're just aware of the presence of God washing over you. And all of a sudden, you're changing your daughter's diaper. Praise Jesus in heaven. (laughs) And you become aware that faithfulness of God to meet me in my mess and love me and clean me up right where I'm at. I'm not trying to get away from this moment to go do my Bible time. I'm going to meet Jesus in this moment because he's giving me a new orientation. You guys hear me on that? And this is like the revolution. This is the revolution Because it means that everything we perceive has the potential to lead us back into a participation, a creative participation with the Godhead and what he's up to in this world. So you're a contractor and you build things for a living. Every day you get to to participate, being reminded that even as you're building, that God is building up his house through his church, through living stones, right? You're a chiropractor, and that's what you do. And every day as you're adjusting and as you're aligning people and whatever you're doing, right, you, uh, there's this invitation, like, if Jesus showed up to a chiropractor, you know, you've, you've been, you know, aligning, ba- you've been adjusting backs, come follow me, and I'm going to teach you to adjust to a new way of seeing the world so that the whole world comes into alignment with my kingdom and my purposes, Right? <laughs> 
You're an accountant. You know, you're a plumber. You're an electrician. You're a mother. You're a father. You're a student. You're, you're this. You're that. This is, the, this is the good news of the gospel. And what it means to follow Jesus is that there's this orientation. If he's not trying to, um, he's not trying to, to divide me internally. He's, he's trying to give me a new way to see everything, every experience, every skill, every desire he's placed in my heart, but to do it for him and with him and for the sake of the world. And I, and I just wonder today, you know, some of us maybe, I, I have so many conversations, um, especially with a lot of men, I think, because we're so career-driven, that f- they feel like what they do is just so distant from anything that matters. And this could be anybody in the room. It's not just men. I'm just saying, I, this, this has been my experience with conversations with friends like, that are doing different things, working office jobs, in sales, doing this or that. There's this thing of, man, ministry looks like this. Participation in the kingdom of God is this special thing that happens for these leaders or pastors or this or that. And, and what it becomes is this diminishing inside of like what I've been given is actually apart from God's purposes in the world. Now, it is, it is true that God does sometimes shift things inside of us. He gives us another picture of, very, of like a new assignment that he wants to move us to, and we have to hold those things. But can I just speak the good news over you that where, wherever you've been given, whatever you're currently holding right now, wherever you live, wherever you're moving, whatever job, wherever you're employed, whatever relationships that you're stewarding right now, whatever neighborhood you occupy, there is, there is the potential of heaven surrounding you on every side to transform that worldview into uh, new possibilities to be aware of the presence of God and the leading of God in a brand new way where all of a sudden you're not worried about getting yourself to this whole new scenario to where you'll finally experience God, but you get to embody, you get to come into that and come into even in the mundane, silly, trivial things, you get to delight that God loves me right where I'm at, that he meets me in my everyday stuff. That is what Jesus does. And that's what Jesus is doing with you. And that is really good news for us that tend to be dual in our thinking, right? We tend to split up the sacred and the secular. No, no, no. Scripture says now that you are a royal priesthood. So that means everything you do is royal because you're doing it unto the Lord. Whatever you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all unto the glory of God. How many of you guys love eating to the glory of God? <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. It's my time of worship, guys. That's my devotion. It's just snacking, right? I just, I just feel his love right here. And, and what Paul was saying when he said that, it's just like, listen, participate, participate. Join him. Join him in the work because this invitation to follow is not a time of day. It's not about what you can memorize. It's not about that. It's about the awareness and the attention, the waking up of our attention to a swirl of the Godhead in every part of our life. And I love even that word Trinity, the, the, the original word. It took him like 300 years to come up with like this word for the Trinity, parakoresis. 
They kept getting killed. I mean, it, like, it took him 300 years to be able to talk about the Trinity without being killed. It was so, it's such a revolutionary idea. They couldn't figure out how to talk about one God in three different persons. Not three different gods, but one God in three different persons of the God. <laughs> and the word that they came up with is perichoresis, which, which means the divine dance. Choresis is where, you know, where you get, you know, the word choreography, choreo, choresis, the perichoresis, the divine dance. And this just reality of, oh my gosh, every part of life is laced with divinity, and it's a dance that's happening all around us. And the Father is at work, and Jesus is at work, and the Holy Spirit's at work, and they're at work together. And it's in places we normally miss. It's in the paperwork. It's in the diapers. It's in the cleaning the dishes. It's in the taking out the trash. It's in the insignificance that there is, there is an awareness that God is present and moving in all things, and he's inviting us to do that. And that is, is so foundational for us to see ourselves as disciples, not in just the special things, but in the everyday stuff of life. You guys hearing me on this? Are, are we, is that settling okay? So here's what I want to do. Um, man, I, and I, I, I talked to a friend this last week who actually left a ministry job this last year, a, a ministry job, like a church job, a youth pastor job, and he's somewhere else. And he has another job, and he's, uh, he's selling scissors. He literally, like, he got a job as a salesman. He's selling scissors to salons across the country. And I talked to him. I'm like, man, how's that going? And he's like, oh, dude, it's amazing. Unbelievable. The stuff that God is doing. <laughs> I'm like, really? That's really hard for me to get excited about the idea of giving my nine to five to scissors. That is so hard for me to wrap myself around. Like, why, why would I do that? That feels so outside of anything I'm excited about. But he's like, oh my gosh, I get to go in. I get to have these conversations and God is blessing it. There's favor. I've risen to like the top. In three weeks, he rose to like the top, one of the top salesperson in the country in that particular thing. <laughs> and, he, and why? Because he took this thing as an opportunity there's no, dual, there's no dualism that God is leading him into these places uniquely to have these conversations, to be present, to be salt, to be light, to bring renewal and restoration, to get into these, these unusual conversations he would never believe in, right? And, and it takes a lot of guts to move from like this, this inside the church ministry position to selling scissors and just be stoked about it, right? 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 But, but, but what, what's the point? Is that, is that this is what God is teaching us to do, right? This is, God is, wants to give us a new lens. He meets us where we're at and says, come follow me. I'm going to teach you a new way to see every single thing that you do. And you will never be able to unsee this once you see it. That's how the kingdom of God works. Because then we get to participate in stuff that's eternal. We get to participate. Everything matters. Everything is sacred. Everything is royal. Everything is an opportunity to experience Jesus and to pour him out in the world we live in. So here's what I want to do. Josiah, you can come up and play some keys. That would be awesome. Um, uh, Those lists that you created, just across the room. I mean, if you wrote some things down, I just want you to think about this. You had written those two things down in two different columns, spiritual and non-spiritual. 
If you, have, if you can do this, maybe you just cross out those headers and just write kingdom on top. Okay? Just write kingdom. Or just think about it. Just visualize that even. And those things that you wrote down, I want to invite you, you know, to, to listen to the Lord even as you think about those things and think of what God is speaking to you even in that moment as you think about doing those things because you're going to go home and do that. You're going to forget everything I said and you're going to go home and you're going to be making lunch. You're going to be vacuuming. You're going to, you know, you're going to be getting ready for the week, right? So you're not going to remember a whole lot of what I said. But listen, this, these things that you wrote down, I just want you to think about this and to, to invite the Lord to give you a new paradigm to experience Him in all these simple ways to see the gospel is at work in everything that we do. And I think, man, the Lord's going to give you a lot of creativity here. If you're, if you're planning on doing laundry the next day or so, just remember that God has clothed you with, clothed you with garments of praise. That's so cheesy. It feels cheesy saying it like that. Like, oh man, I'm doing laundry. I have to find something spiritual to do. I'm, what I'm saying though is start to practice this start to practice this. And what you're going to find is that you're going to, every moment is a reminder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you're doing laundry. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given me garments of praise instead of spirit of heaviness. Thank you, Jesus, that you've taken my filthy rags and you've given me your righteousness that goes beyond my own righteousness. Right? And you're preparing dinner. Think of the feast, the wedding supper of the Lamb, this great feast that Jesus is preparing for us. All the tribes and nations, he's hosting us at his dinner table. You go to work, ask the Lord to show you where he's present and at work. He's not apart from you. When you drive home, when you're talking to your neighbors, he's not apart from you. He's, he's, he's active and he's moving. So let's, let's stand together. I want to pray over our imaginations here because this, this is about kingdom imagination is what it is. And, and this is what Jesus teaches us to do. This is what he's teaching us to do. So he, as he's discipling us, he's teaching us to do this. He wants to give us a new imagination. So Father God, I pray over each of us that are willing to receive this. And I, I pray over all of us in this room, God, as we're learning... Um, God, even just caught up in the simplicity of following you, I thank you that you want to give us creativity. You want to give us imagination to see these parts of our life that maybe we've, we've diminished or devalued before, but to see you present and at work and see every opportunity as an invitation to join you in what you're doing, God. I thank you for disciples across this room that are responding even now. And we hear your voice say, come and follow me. Come and follow me. In our hearts, God, everything inside of us just wants to drop everything we're doing and do what you want to do. Help us to respond to you. Help us to see like you're teaching us to see. We thank you, Lord God, that you've invited us to seek first the kingdom and only the kingdom because the kingdom is laced and embedded like yeast in the dough. You've, you've scattered seed, God, and it's there for our finding. I thank you, Jesus, for a craving. I, God, I just thank you for the burning in our gut, the burning in our heart, 
to know you, to know you, to know you, to know your heart. Thank you for the burning that pulls us out of complacency and pulls us out of apathy. The burning that pulls us out of places where we've, we've settled. I thank you for the way you do that. You meet us right where we're at on the shoreline. And you engage us right there. And so, Jesus, we welcome your touch. We welcome a new orientation. Can we say the Lord's Prayer together? Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, come on. Thank you. Oh, ministry team, could you come, please? Finding Jesus in the mundane, in the everyday. I hope you'll find him at Walmart. Um, What we're going to do is we're going to put a suitcase over here next Sunday to bring these onesies in and blankets and things. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray over them.